Church Podcast. With your host, Hodgie the Hack. Good evening and a very warm welcome to the Hodge on Nodge podcast with me and the man you just saw in a big photo. What you didn't see, by the way, is you didn't see the big massive drum fill he was doing <laughs> as I had my um, London Apollo-esque sound check type crashing of cymbals at the end of my intro there. <laughs> it's me and Benjamin Bloom coming to you live this evening. Good evening, everyone, and good evening, Ben. How are you, mate? Um, yeah, I'm just blown away by the theme tune. Could you have made it a little bit more ostentatious? Um, it just, I just don't think it set us up in the. In the I, I didn't make it. So that, who's, that's who's playing organ say. on? Who's playing um, organ on that? It's a guy that I used to be in a band with about 15 years ago. He's and, very uh, good. Uh, no, very like, good he's, he's, he's honestly, he's like, he's, he's like, I mean, you, you're obviously a musician yourself, so you must appreciate the the, the that's gone into that. Um, yeah, I've yeah. got a shorter version of it, I should say, for um, the audio version of this podcast. Um, so anyone that listens to the, the audio version, I'm going to dub <laughs> over a shorter intro. So this this whole segment that we're talking about now will sound a wee bit confusing to them. And the whole podcast concept is a wee bit confusing, actually. So this is a very warm welcome to everyone to the first ever Behind Enemy Lines podcast, which, somewhat confusingly for any newcomers, works as episode four of the Hodge on Nodge pod. But as you can see, this is very much a two-man operation. The other man on the other side of the fence is... Ipswich Town devotee and EFL polymath, Mr. Benjamin Bloom. Mm. And obviously, I'm Hodgie the Hack, and I'm a Norwich City. Oh, I always get left and right wrong. See, this is where you're a pro at this, and I'm not so much, <laughs> Ben. I always get it wrong. So the badge is here. I'm a Norwich City fan. Ben is obviously an Ipswich fan for his many, many sins. Oh, just more. See, that's the difference. I'm ostentatious, and you're subtle. I'm but subtle. Can you see in the background above my head as well? I've got... My beautiful missus got me a oh, that, oh there's a there's a card ahead of it. That's every Ipswich Town kit as well hidden in there. Um, I've got something else coming for the shelf, but yeah, subtlety. I'm just trying to show off as much of my office as I can. No, you're doing well, right? You've got an office, right? I've got a <laughs> terrible lampshade, right? Um, and I just keep the room in a kind of cavernous darkness, which makes me <laughs> look even more sort of light and lively. I should say for anyone listening to the audio version of this podcast, we're very much focusing on the fact that we're doing this as a live stream. And I'm very excited to be doing it with Ben because what, what, what we're going to do is we're going to try and do a podcast here which brings Norwich City fans and Ipswich fans, something that's of value where we talk about both clubs. And I think we can both bring something a wee bit different uh, in terms of what we do because we both we both do it a bit. Uh, a bit differently in terms of the way we do our content. So I'm normally, and you might have seen a lot of Mark and Airy fans might be thinking, Hodgie's been so busy doing journalism stuff north of the borders to do with Eddie Howe and Celtic, and that's just the nature of my job as a journalist and as a football commentator. Whatever I'm working on at that point is what I'm focused on, but I can assure you that this podcast is still very much a focus of mine and close to my heart and something that I'm really determined to, to make a success of. So all you Canary fans out there, don't worry. I'm still very much on the case with this. But so I, I do a bit of commentary and I do a bit of that. But Ben, I'm wondering what's in this for you. I'm a wee guy here with my wee 800 subscribers, every one of whom I am very, very grateful for. But you've got your 50, what is it, 16,500 behemoth 
the Benjamin <laughs> Bloom football channel. What are you playing at, teaming up with a wee little old me here? It's just I just like to talk football, Stu, don't I? No, I've done I've done various bits and bobs, and look, let, let, let's be blindly honest about it. Norwich has turned out to be a pretty good market for me. I've made lots of friends with, um, despite obviously being an Ipswich fan, um, the ones that can get past any kind of tribal issues um yes have enjoyed enjoyed what we've done and obviously my channel focuses on the championship and the last two times Norwich have been in the championship they've won the championship so the fans really? have been particularly engaged and particularly happy with life so um yes yeah, um when you when you pitched it to me I was like go on then go on we'll Hi. give it a go Ah, uh, good man. Um, now, I should say my organisational skills have totally come to the fore here. I've organised this live stream at the exact same time as Norwich City are showing a live replay of our 3-2 win over Man City a couple of seasons ago. So well done, Hodge, for that. But Ben, j just as an opener, when was the last time Ipswich defeated a Premier League title-winning, Champions League final calibre football team? Can, oh, can, you, right. can you tell it, me that? It would be... It, not in a friendly. Um, it would not be, in a friendly and a competitive fixture, mate. It would be the semi-final of the League Cup, and I can't remember what year. Twenty thirteen. They beat Arsenal in the first leg. Got absolutely pasted in the second leg, but Arsenal would have been a league title win inside a few years. Yeah. An actual, an actual title holding side. God knows. Um, did they beat you in two thousand? Who won a title in? 2000 Man United Drew took the lead with Manchester United in in 2000 but no um, been a long time it's been a long time and to be fair that was the game of that season and uh, a really nice one to to look back on but what we're going to try and do now I think as this podcast evolves quite naturally mate we're going to add more new features in and make it more of a kind of zany thing but the way it's going to work now you'll notice Norwich City's getting mentioned first every time tonight. That's because Norwich are at home tonight. That's the way we're going to do this behind Enemy Lines podcast. So when we're hosting it on my channel, then it'll be Norwich City that are at home. So we'll say Norwich first and Ipswich second. And let's be honest, that's the natural order of things at the moment. Charles Darwinism and natural selection has dictated this. Um, but <laughs> uh, what we're going to do is we're also going to host it sort of turn around, aren't we? So it's going to be on your channel some of the time. Uh, and like half of the time and then on my channel the other half of the time but I think the best way to start about it is and I think because we can both because I'm obviously an EFL commentator so I know quite a bit about the whole sort of spread of the pyramid and the fact that you're obviously just an EFL savant then <laughs> obviously we're going to slag each other a wee bit and we're going to have like a bit of tasty banter about each other's teams whatever but it's more about like having like a proper informed football chat about these teams about and particularly at a time like this where the future is quite exciting for both teams actually because despite obviously Ipswich going to be in the third tier again um with the the sort of takeover and everything and Paul Cook's like he's a talented operator you know um I, I mean how excited are you about the future for for, for for Ipswich as it stands at the moment. Like, do you feel that for the first time, now that the canal Marcus Evans thing is over, that the club can 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 finally move forward again? Um 
it's, I've got two contradictory answers to that question. Okay. It's not the first time I've been excited. We were excited um, when Paul Hurst arrived at the start of 2018, 2019. There was going to be this reset of everything. Unfortunately, um, Brilliant job know, at Shrewsbury, by the way. So, like, everything yeah. was pointing to that yeah. going to be a really, really good appointment, it, you know? Yeah, they just got it so badly wrong and, and then second-guessed themselves. And then, so, so I have been excited before, which kind of tempers my excitement this time. Obviously, it's very different, um, you know, going from a savvy championship Mick McCarthy-type operator um, okay, it had been trending downwards for a few years um, leading up to him leaving uh, to a novice in the championship is very different to going to a, you know, pretty savvy championship offer, operator coming into League exactly. One with new ownership. And I mean, you know, we talk, we'll talk about size and, and stature um, of clubs probably, you know, quite a lot in this, but I think even the most um, sort of hardened Norwich anti-Ipswich fan would admit that in the kind of hierarchy, both sides have generally sat between sort of, you know, 20, 22 and 30 in the in the 92. So you yeah. would say at the moment, Norwich are slightly above the, the natural order of things and Ipswich are, you know, a division, a division below it. I love the way you came back to my Darwinism, Barb. That's brilliant. <laughs> you. See, it's all about subtlety with you, and that's what I think is quite good. Because as a midfield pairing, right, I'm maybe like that sort of guy for the 90s that will get sent off all the time in the modern game, going into the two-footed challenges, and you're the, the silky wee operator making the kind of, you know, the sort of tidy wee, oh, hi. Now, you know <laughs> you've made it when you get something like that. That how, is how exactly you, that. Um, right. And if I if I may, cards block cards slash bloom for twenty percent off all orders. But yes, I'm apparently a ninety two um, related rate, rated midfielder, but my physicality is is lacking, according to the independent group of scientists that made those stats completely accurately to give no, me nine, uh, yeah, ninety five yeah, yeah, passing. A full a full sports science like <laughs> program that you must have gone through to eight hours. I was in there to to get that happening. Um, talking about midfields, by the way, Ollie Skip and Kenny McLean, what did you make of them as a partnership this season? Because for me, right, for all, like, Emmy Wendy is a genius. Timu Puki is one of the best finishers that's ever played for Norwich City, arguably the best ever. Um, there was a defensive structure this season that was so, so strong. But everything for me that that was the area in the premier league um you must be you must be making me nervous i'm looking all shiny here but i'll be the sweat in my head oh that must be the energy of uh just actually bouncing off somebody like you um but yeah like for me the the energy this season very much came from kenny and from ollie skip and in the premier league last year that was the bit where it fell down for norwich city there was a lack of physicality in that middle area and this season with Kenny and Ollie in there, it was just totally different. I, I thought the team had so much more balance, especially when it was a transition where we lost the ball and the opposition was countering. Max Ahrens goes forward, Ollie skips tucked in. And that kind of dynamism and that ability to 
to sort of cover and, and get across and things like that. That's where Norwich City this season, I felt, were just so much better. And I think that stands us in really good stead going up. What do you think? Um, God, lots to say on that. It's weird because that team for Norwich that got promoted in 2018-19 never really had a central midfield, did it? It was... I. Re- I remember he never he never nailed it down, did he? And I, no. I think there was Leitner and there was Tribal and there yep. was McLean. And yep. then Tetty would always end up getting put back in at some point. And then I remember there was an eight-game win streak and he just stuck with... I can't even remember who it was. I think it was Tribal and McLean possibly towards yep. the end. I, I don't totally recall, but... Um, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what, though, that is a staple of Daniel Farkas thing. He sticks with a winning team. Oh, once he's won. Yeah, once yeah. he's won, that team isn't changing, is it? No, we do. And, and that, that by the way, that. like, see for all these sort of forward thinking and like all of the kind of modern methodology that goes, goes into the way that Norwich City play, I, re- I find it really refreshing that that is one of his staples is just to go, do you know what? I'm going to... If the team's winning, why change it? You yeah, know? don't change it. But on... um. On Skip and McLean, um, look, Skip's Skip's very good, very very good indeed. Um, let's be completely honest, though. That, <laughs> and I, I joked about this with a few Norwich fans about the loan of Skip, and there is some kind of an argument that you could have put a fair number of midfielders into that position, provided Krull, Aaron's. Wendia, Pookie are all there in the team. Skip, very, very good and an upgrade certainly on 18, 18, 19. But there's still a sense, I think you would agree, that that area of the pitch, assuming that we don't know what's going to happen at Spurs, do we? Might might have a manager come in and not not fancy him at all and he's for sale all of a sudden. And that might be the, the big club transfer record. You don't, you just don't know, do you? But that would still be an area of the pitch. I think you'd agree that um, that he'd, he'd want to sort of polish up, let's say. I think that's the area of the pitch where, obviously, if we don't replace Ollie, skip if, if he does go, that we, I mean, it's the biggest hole to fill for me. Uh, and in terms of the fact that nobody's left yet, but that's the other area for Norwich City this summer. Obviously, I'm sure you're, Everyone watching this is probably aware that, um, like I, I do have conversations with people in and around the football club. The expectation is that Amy Buendia will leave this summer. Um, I think a bid will come in that, given his production, plus fifteen goals and plus fifteen assists, he was the only player in the the top five leagues in the championship in Europe to to get that. Um, and I think that level of production plus just the key passes and and the fact that he's that. For me, the the best the best technician in the championship, and by like a decent standard. Plus, the one criticism you would have leveled at him was his temperament, and he seemed to get a handle on that towards the end of the season. So it's as if Nor- Norwich again have polished all the the rough edges off this diamond, and then it looks like he's going to go. Um, Max Aarons has been touted with a move for a while, and. I've said in a couple of places in a couple of podcasts that I don't necessarily think that would be the worst thing for Norwich City to lose Max Aarons because we could replace him with perhaps a more physical centre-back, perhaps a centre-back that could double up, or sorry, right back, but uh, who could double up as a centre-back if we did move to a back three, which I think is something you'll see Daniel Farker do more next season. 
um, as a result of the league that we're going into, the kind of teams and threats that we're facing. Uh, so, yeah, I think that the, it's, it's going to be up in the air a lot for Norwich City in terms of, in terms of the, what the departures are going to be and what that's going to fund. And that could indeed fund, so if you do sell one or both of them, that could fund a record move for Ollie Skip, for example. It's all just so up in the air, and I think Norwich City are so creative, intuitive, and um, sorry, they have such a wide scope in terms of the recruitment that it makes it. It makes it quite an exciting prospect to see what's happening this summer, although if you look on social media, there is quite a lot of Norwich fans getting a bit worried about Obviously, the the, the rumours about players leaving and, and stuff like that. But the nature of the beast is that's just, as you say, it's 22 to 30 in the pyramid. It's just bigger fish come along, then you've got to do that. And as a club as well, if we're going to attract talents to our team, then we need to be prepared to say, when the time is right, we'll let you move on. And that's something that Stuart Weber has said. He said, once if, if the offer comes in and the offer's right for the football club and it's right for the player, we'll let them go. And I think I think Norwich have stuck true to that, and I think that's quite important that that they they do continue to do that. But on Ipswich and on departures, there's been some big big departures from Portman Road. Um, ones that I imagine maybe tug, tug at the heartstrings a wee bit. I mean, I know it's not been the most successful either in Ipswich's history. This, and it's almost kind of you you would temper any emotion with that, but. I mean, who are you saddest about in terms of, of, of those that have left so far? And like, I'll, I'll let you give a shout out to, to, to anyone that you feel merits it at this point. I mean, you, you've set it up really well because it's this is not um, Kieran Dyer uh, coming into the team and being fantastic and going <laughs> on to Newcastle. Like you said, this is at the end of a a pretty bleak era for the club that's put them in the worst, you know, the worst league position in six decades. So everything is tempered by the, you know, by the realisation. And I, I think it's, I think the thing I found quite sad, we're obviously talking about Luke Chambers, who played hundreds of games, Cole Skews, the same hundreds of games. Freddie Sears less so, but has been there um, ages. Um, there will be others as well. And, you know, I think the worst thing about it is that everyone has had to give a caveat when they've said sort of congratulations to um, to Chambers. And it, it was, I was getting a bit fed up, sort of um, far bit for me to get fed up with, with Twitter, where it's sort of the most nonsense is spoken in the known <laughs> universe with small nuggets of sense um, somewhere around. But everyone was kind of put in, I know it's not been the best era or I know he's not everybody's cup of tea or blurdy, blurdy, blur. Um, Colescuse has gone to, um, uh, to Olive, has gone to Colchester as many. Oh, oh well, yeah. at least he stayed semi-local then. He's oh, just course, what he's done is he's gone south instead of north. Stu, they're, they're all going to go to Colchester. Don't, don't you worry about that. Uh, they've all got nice houses in Ipswich and they won't, you know, growing up kids and stuff, a couple of years. So many Ipswich players have done that over the... Yeah. Over the years, but no, it was, it was nice to see you got just on that note quickly. It's not a Colchester pod, but um, I thought that see that note that Robbie Killen put out at the end of the season, I thought was just it was, it was quite remarkable for a chairman just to be so candid. Did you see what that? Was, well, I didn't. What was that? 
Um, I don't want to digress too much, but he basically no, no, just about this note. Go and read it. Any football fan, right? Um, and this is where this is an area that I'm going to come on to. Actually, we'll let the discussion evolve. I'll let you finish doing your eulogy to to anyone you feel merits <laughs> it. But after that, I want to You're talk not dead. about. Well, I, 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 I get that. Um, I want to talk about like uh, the disconnect or the connect between clubs, ownership, and all of that stuff because that's where I feel Norwich have absolutely nailed it. But the Colchester United chairman put out a, a statement on the club's website. Uh, I think it was at the end of the season, or, or it was maybe once um, they, they sort of made sure and, and secured their status and stuff. Um, and it basically said, uh, just it ticked off everything about it, just what a COVID season was like, about mistakes that had been made by him and by the club, but how thankful they were to the fans and how thankful they were to, they've obviously been through a few management teams and stuff, but the contributions of everyone were acknowledged and things like that. And it was just the most candid statement I've seen from a club. Like, there was no sense of, you know, clubs always put out that sort of airbrushed kind of, you know, like, mm. here's how we're painting the picture, blah, blah, blah. None of that. It was just like, ding, 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 going right through everything. And, like, I mean, it's like it's a lengthy read, but I just thought for a club chairman to do that was so, so refreshing and, uh, and fair play. And he was he was very honest about the <laughs> and very anti the way the money was distributed in, in terms of the I follow coverage and how basically Colchester made Jack from the um from the I follow stuff. So yeah, I know, but just quickly on on um Chambers, yes, he's not Kevin Beatty. We know. We 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 get it. We're self-aware enough to know mm-hmm. that we're not in an era where we have, you know, Mariner, Mills, Butcher, Beatty, Tyson, Murin, etc. We're not in an era where we have even Holland, Stewart, uh, Tarico, you know, we're in an era oh, where cool. it's... I forgot about him. Cracking, cracking fullback, man. Tarico, God, he was a <laughs> nasty new cult hero. But yeah, look, Chambers was what he was, but he was a great servant. His timing wasn't great. He, he, he wasn't at the club at a, a great time. Some would argue, and obviously there were players that got in and got out, Webster, Mings, Cresswell... Waghorn, etc., etc., and it was Chambers and Skews that you know were were staying, and there wasn't an interest in um, those players being taken by by other clubs. But look, you can't argue with, and it's literally hundreds and hundreds of appearances for for the club. So good luck to them. Um, sadly, Stu, as you can imagine, there is a you know there's there's an angry side to football. F- football fandom, isn't it? And there are fans that, you know, those guys are a lightning rod for the failure of the club in the Evans era. And, you know, you would love people to be um, polite and respectful. And in the main, those guys got that. And I suppose it's a little bit sad that in an ideal world, you would like, you'd like them to be an ambassador or a coach and stay around the club. And you talk about Mm -hmm. culture and, Jose Mourinho and his heritage and it's all about those players still being at the at the club isn't it but look I I get the need for a clean sweep and you know that's what Paul Cook's doing. Listen that I think that's what what Ipswich need and it it did have to start at the top let's be honest because 
Let, let's talk about the, the Marcus Evans era a wee bit, because it just felt like... I mean, my, my question is, now, I'm, I, I wouldn't claim to have been as invested in the fortunes of Ipswich Town as you, my friend, right? But since he bought the club, like, I think I can remember... Now, you, you please correct my memory if I'm wrong here. I can remember a, a very, very modest initial investment um, in terms of to, to try and improve the squad. And then after that, it just seemed like he basically was looking to try and save money constantly. Like, there didn't seem to be yeah, any he, period where he pushed the boat out and did, said... To be did, fair to him, he did push the boat out at when? the beginning with Paul Jewell and well, Roy Keane first and then Paul Jewell. And remember, when Marcus Evans bought Ipswich... This was 2011, 2012. I can't remember the exact season. It's not etched on, but maybe, 20, maybe 2010, 2011. Even. Um, this is pre-FFP, and this is pre-parachute payments being squidged to three years and going up to 45 million quid. So that was actually a time where someone of Marcus Evans' wealth could make a difference. Unfortunately, mm. through, um, you know... There's, there's many, many theories as to if he'd had a Stuart Webber, and that's very easy to say because Stuart Webber's so good. If he'd, if he'd say, right, I'm coming in here, I've got this, but I need this guy who's really best in class at, at that particular job. And remember the sporting director, CEO thing, the CEO goes above sporting director, you know what I mean? That position wasn't really a thing when he took over, but... You see this, but this, this, this is a great bugbear of mine, right? In the UK, that has to be said, with a big asterisk. Oh, right? Fine, yeah, yeah. Right? Because it has been the model on the continent for a long time. And I had a convert, right, I'm going to sound like I'm name-dropping an absolute belt. Clang! Here, right? right. <laughs> Damien Camoli made a conversation in about 2014 where we were both just so frustrated. Just smarting people up, Stu. So Liverpool and Spurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Damien Camoli was the first guy to bring... So you, anyone who's seen the film Moneyball, right? It's essentially where a team, uh, a baseball team, whose name, the Oakland Athletics, um, they used a concept called Moneyball to try and extract the maximum value based on statistical analysis of baseball players. Damien Camoli was the first person to bring that methodology into English football. He did that with Spurs and Liverpool, most notably. Um, added a story for the, the local media in Norwich when Stuart Webber was appointed, um, like because they'd already struck up that, that, that sort of relationship with Damien. Um, where because Stuart had worked under Camoli at Liverpool, and it was a conversation we had a couple of years prior to that, me and Damien, where we were basically just saying, Why is English football not just getting with the times? And I think part of it, right, was this Alex Ferguson culture, and that's not I was gonna say Clough Ferguson, I, yeah, the with the manager, Harry Redknapp. The, the guy who can do everything, Bobby Robson, yeah, you're totally right. Totally, totally. And it's like this cult of manager, right? And with that cult of manager, what you get is you get, it's like the buck stops with them. That's it. And, and that's the only person they see. But if you ask Alex Ferguson just how vital Malcolm Edwards and David Gill were oh, to what he Sorry. did. Yeah. Can I just interrupt you a sec? There's an argument, the first sporting director in English football was Arsene Wenger because he did he did that as well as manage yes. the team and he 
picked out mm-hmm. all the all the sort of French players, changed everyone's diet and and all of that. But sorry, sorry, go no, on. No, no, no. Yeah, you, you do make a good point. But he was doing both. He was doing like two mm. jobs. He was doing that and the the, the head. He's coach kind of the role. bridge, isn't he? Aye, aye. No, that's a good analogy. Um, the bridge of Wenger. That's probably why he's FIFA's head of global football development. Um, and <laughs> one of the few, one of the few non-corrupt people in that organisation. Um, allegedly, allegedly. Stewart's words, not mine. Allegedly. Um, yes, I of course. Um, but, but that's pending any investigations or <laughs> outcomes of inquiries and such. However, um, I think that cult of manager has kind of put things in a certain perspective in Britain for a long, long time, right? But what I wanted to ask you was, um, and we're getting some great questions in, I should say, um, on the chat. I'm going to come to some of them in a minute. But what Norwich have done so, so well, and this is something that has been done really badly. And at football clubs, it goes through phases, like at different clubs where fans feel really connected to the club and the players and stuff like that. But there's various different bits of a football club. But in, at Norwich, I think what we've got is we have unity across the like I'm not saying that fans don't argue or anything like that, but it's like the fans are connected to the fan groups and the fan groups are connected to the club and the club is a whole entity where it works from Delia to Stuart Weber to Daniel Farker to the players. And it's just an entire community and ecosystem where everyone coexists and everybody's fairly happy. I mean, even when we get relegated to the Premier League after that sort of fairly abject post-lockdown um, sort of run that we had, although people were, were unhappy with the results, there was no sort of sense of, like, let's flip the Monopoly board up and kick everyone out, you know? And I think as well with the European Super League thing that happened, I think people are grateful for the likes of a Delia Smith type owner. So what I'm getting at is for Ipswich then, what's it going to be like moving forward? Like what's your impressions of Ashton and the people that have come in? And do you think that in some way you guys should try to sort of try and get some of some of what Norwich do have in terms of that that real connect and and cohesiveness around like the whole ecosystem and and everything in it? Well of of course um I suppose um, it would be a bit of a leap to go straight to Norwich, who have had, you know, sort of five or six Premier League seasons in the last decade, haven't they? I suppose the the bridge to that would be even. And I know we're talking about, you know, an Ipswich uh, club that did have great success in the past. But Mm -hmm. can they get even to a Bristol City level whereby you're on an upward trend, the stadium's being redeveloped. You're recruiting well and you're selling on Bobby Reed, yep. Adam Webster. Um, go figure, who did Adam Webster play for before Bristol City? You know, sold it completely the wrong time. Um, Josh Brownhill, et cetera, et cetera. So honestly, that's the that's the next um that's the next step. I mean, I, I think from a from a Norwich point of view, and look, I hear lots and lots of mixed things. I hear, look. Delia is is what she is, and um, the you know I hear the only way the club can step forward is for for her to go, and you know, and I I hear quote self funded Norwich City a lot, which um, is feels a little bit um, 
What's the what's the without upsetting everybody? Feels a little bit. No, don't be right, right. See that no, feels, feels, a, feels be... a, Let me let me finish. Let me finish. Feels a little bit kind of defensive. Do you know what I mean? Because let, let's. Sure. Be, um, it just feels like it goes from Norwich fans being rather smug and rightly so in the championship to. Oh, we're we're so funded, by the way. Um, you know, with a and maybe that is maybe that is the truth, but you know, self self-funded, what, what what does that even mean? Do you know what I mean? It's in right, the okay, I'll, I'll tell you it's what meaningless, it you know. No, no, no. Self-funded means essentially that you're bringing through enough players in your academy that you can sell on for a fee that you are not relying on Anything else, the, the, and that all of the, the income that you get from gate receipts and from from various no, other Norwich things. Norwich aren't funded. Norwich aren't funded by that. Norwich are funded by TV money, like no. every club in in England is. Like oh, like every club in England is. But the, yeah. the idea is to, if the TV money was to disappear tomorrow, is to make sure that you are not entirely reliant on stuff that you are not creating yourself. That you can. Create Norwich enough. lost thirty eight million the last time they didn't have a parachute payment. So when the TV money's not there, they're not viable. Ah, granted. Oh, by the way, I'll tell you what, this is good. This is getting tasty now. And uh, what yeah, I like I'm, just, I'm just telling the truth on no, Norwich no, 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 aren't no, no, self-funded. No. They're funded by TV money. Right. So is every club, as you say. But the yeah, point exactly. is to get, to, they're get not this, self-funded. to get to a point, to get to a point where you are as unreliant on TV money as you can potentially be. Right. Because the nature of every club in English football is that you're not going to be that. Norwich City are probably, if they if they chose to sell all their prize assets, could maybe just about. Um, like, and you're not going to be able to do that every season. But also, what you have to think is, and, and this is part of the kind of since Stuart Webber and and that sort of structure came in, a lot of the seeds that have been sown now will be seen after he's gone. And I think that is what Norwich City are trying to do: is they're trying to get to the point where. They are as, as but like the self-funded thing as, as you say, it's a, it's a turn of phrase that that is given <laughs> the guy. The, 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 do you know what? I, I will concede that point. Like, I think <laughs> I, I think on 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 that basis, it's very very hard to be self-funded because. But that that brings up a whole different discussion about the viability of the EFL as a whole, um, well, go, which yeah. we can we, we can go into. Um, and uh, Norwich Talk trying to help me out there saying Norwich's <laughs> transfer budget is now self-funded. It's um, not. It's, not no, it's, it, it's just not. Any, any club that's either in the Champions League, the Premier League, or receiving parachute payments, the biggest income going into their accounts is TV money. It just is. Yeah, no, 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 know, it just is. It's I, I don't like it, and you know, um, I would have played it exactly the same way Norwich had, and I think they've played it beautifully. But I don't know. That's just my contention with the with the self funded right. Well, thing. so let's part of the self funded thing, right? I, 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 I'll, I brought it up. To be fair, on... No, no, no. no I'll, make, I'll make the concession <laughs> on that point. And by the way, this is where we want this to be. We want it to be tasty, and I like the fact that you you've actually for the first time because you spend so much time appeasing the Norwich City fan. <laughs> this this is your carte blanche to give a little back. Um, I, look, I, I fully respect the club, and um, oh no, I'm, so they are. And by the way, mate, I respect Ipswich yeah. as well. I should say that for any Ipswich fans that are out there, I think the history of Ipswich Town is brilliant. Before I was a Norwich City fan, and look, by the way, this is watch my subscribers just plummet as I say <laughs> that's right. Um, but that season under George Burley, right? I at that point I had no connection to Norwich. I hadn't 
like I think everyone knows the story of how I became a Norwich fan was through working for the club and then developed that passion through that and through living in Norwich and, and it being such a wonderful area. But I remember that George Burley team and thinking that w- what they were doing was pretty exciting, you know? Um, and like one of the best quiz answers, I think, for for because he was top goal scorer that season, Marcus Stewart, wasn't he? Top top English goal scorer, sadly. Ah, is that what it was? I, I think see, I was, was it Jimmy Floyd goal. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank or Thierry Henry beat him? Possibly. Mate. I can't I can't remember my exact number. But this is getting brought up a lot this week because all the Leeds fans are now trotting out highest finish by a promoted side in the first or highest points total rather since Ipswich ah. Town 2000-2001, yeah. There you go. Now, George Burley's from a place called Cumnock, which is uh, three miles from where my mum was born. So I've got a lot of family in that part of the world. So ah. that was part of, part of the reason for the investment. And also, by the way, um, had it not uh, the, 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 had George Burley not been fired by Vladimir Romanov at Hearts, that's the one. Hearts, didn't he? Yeah. I, that's the one time in my lifetime, by the way, where like a club could have beat one of the old firms. They won like the first eight games or something, Stu, didn't they? Mate, they were superb. Yeah. And honestly, if it hadn't have been for Vladimir Romanov, who was in, like a certified nutcase, um, <laughs> if it hadn't have been for the fact that Romanov had fired Burley due to a clash of personalities or whatever, they were a viable, like they were a viable title contender. And they are the best team that has come up against the old firm that I can remember. Like, I mean, maybe since I was a wee boy, like... Um, before I watched football, but like at least since the early 1990s, um, the, the only viable non Celtic or Rangers title contender that I've seen Aberdeen fans will probably be annoyed at that, but like I don't think they've ever had like an, who, who never was the last them. team that wasn't Celtic or Rangers to win the Scottish League? We've got to be in the 80s here, haven't we? Yeah, we're going back to the 80s, and I think Dundee United were the last one, um, but Dundee United and Aberdeen were both mm. in and about it in the 80s. Um, but like my, my football memory before, I, I'm so bad as a football historian, man. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't delve like I've got all these mates who are like, yeah, I just watched this documentary about the nineteen well, no sixty six. Why did I gravitate to sixty six, man? Oh my <laughs> goodness! Like that, the fact that was the default makes me want to give myself like the middle finger in my head. <laughs> um, but like the the nineteen sixty two World Cup, right? And I'm like, yeah, I, I don't really know much about like world cup trivia history it's just just not a an, an area i dive into loving the amount of questions we're getting in man that's what we're going to dedicate the last um bit of the pod to um but just on the the ownership thing also see another thing you know i was saying about my lack of organization i forgot to plug the charger in my mac so i'm gonna to have to run through and get that so you're gonna to need to take a question up and i'll answer a question or something no 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 but I'll, well i'm gonna ask you a question and you can waffle away and i won't even listen to your answer but <laughs> you, i want to know what you're going to say um no brutal just on the ownership thing right and obviously there's elements that Norwich are doing right, regardless of the nomenclature or phraseology used. Um, in terms of more, what I'm getting at is uniting the community, re- uniting the the sort of uh, the bringing everything together, bringing all of those disparate pieces together, and really getting the fans behind the team, behind not just the team but the club. Now, with what you've seen in terms of the credentials of the current ownership group. And 
uh, the, the current sort of coaching sort of structure and the way that is. Do you think that the the, the PCs are there for Ipswich to, to to really push on? And you did say, look, we don't want to get to the yo-yoing to Premier League. It's more about getting back to the Championship and stabilising there. I get that. That's sensible. It's prudent. But do you think that in terms of the sort of long-term outlook, that for the first time you can sort of look as an Ipswich fan and go, do you know what? There is actually like a clear route of sort of breadcrumbs plotting the way ahead now, where we can kind of go and move forward. Do you actually see that? By the way, I'm going to make a prediction now. Ipswich will go up next season. We'll be back in a minute. (laughs) I mean, I hope so, Stu. I hope so. So, um, There's a a kind of feeling always that um, whatever banana skin there is that Ipswich will manage to sort of slip over it. But look, everything's kind of adding up now um, to at least be in a a favourite in League One. But come on, we all know League One is where um, big clubs or uh, formerly big clubs go to die. And there's plenty um, plenty of examples of teams in League One where you would essentially be saying exactly the same thing. If you're going to have a division with, you know, uh, a Sunderland in there, um, Oxford, um, Sheffield Wednesday are are down now. um, And, you know, Portsmouth, reel them them all off. So, look, on paper, yes, it does, you know, kind of add up to at least a viable League One challenge. But, um, yeah. Um, if there's a way to um, trip up, particularly uh, <laughs> in the last decade or so, have managed have managed to do it. Let's just say so. I'm cautiously optimistic with my normal collection of vast caveats when it comes to um, predicting Ipswich not letting me down. <laughs> there's there's something about the word caveat that is in the the water at the moment unless it's one that you use quite a lot because you've used it twice tonight I was caveat. on Interesting. caveat okay. yeah I was I was on a, a stream where I was getting asked about the Eddie House stuff that I've been doing with Celtic for our channel Celtic fans TV the other night and I used the word caveat to cover my proverbial about five or six times mm. and I don't know if the word caveat is it going to be like word of the year or I don't know let, let, let's be very frank about it I'm making excuses for my football team to fail. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> That's what the caveats are. Hey, right. The one thing I will say that might give you some sort of form of, 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 of salve your conscience a wee bit with that is I'm Scottish, mate. <laughs> I know what it's like. I, I know that pain very, very well. Um, and although things are all rosy in the garden for Norwich City right now, and it's a great time to be following and loving the football club, the one other thing that you you do have to always be aware of is that things can change in football so so quickly. Oh yes, oh yes, they can. Yeah, and um, um, particularly with teams like ours, you know, where whereby look, they're they're not Manchester United, they're not Tottenham, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. You know, this. Yeah, I, I always remember watching the Elton John tantrums and tiaras <laughs> documentary, <laughs> and Elton John's husband says to him. Um, what happens if if just no one's buying it? What happens if everybody just stops buying your records? And Elton John sits there and he goes, "It's not going to happen." Um, and that's there's a certain amount of clubs that are in Elton John selling records territory. 
Whereas my club and your club, couple of bad years and you don't know, you don't know, you know, we've both been in the third tier in the last sort of 10, 15 years. You just don't know where. And, and you know, they're, they're against... Yeah, so, some of us have spent a bit longer there than others. Oh, but just bigger go- clubs than both of ours. I mean, look, yeah, true that. Sheffield Wednesday down there now, Forest, double European Cup winning Forest, um, Leeds United. Do you know what I mean? So plenty of bigger fish than than um, than our our little boys have, have been down there. But um, yeah, it's and there, there's a doomsday scenario for every every club, isn't there? There's there's our owners turn out to be completely useless, and it actually gets worse. And then even at your end. Weber goes at the end of the year, um, takes Farker with him. They make the wrong hire, and there's there's a doomsday scenario for every club, isn't there? I think you make a good point, although Norwich City succession planning, I have full confidence in um, because there's like, a I'm, doomsday scenario for every. No, no, club. no. Listen, and that, that's the thing, right? And you've got to be wary of that. And I'm actually going to bring uh, a a comment in, um, which is <laughs> very, very stark, right? That's why football is dead from George um, W. That's why football is dead. I think what he's, he's getting at, and he, he falls on to say the Premier League's a close show, oh, okay. very dull to be involved in. And I think that's right. I think, and now that we live in the era of these super clubs, like I've said this in various channels, like, I, I mean, I like watching Norwich. It's more fun in the championship. And that's not just because we win more, right? Well, Stuart, can it's, I parlay this into a question for you? Mm-hmm, um well, because I felt a bit sorry for Norwich fans and Fulham fans, uh, West Brom fans as well recently, you know, and it's all, oh, waste of time, Norwich and West Brom and Fulham. They're just up and then they're down and they're up and they're down. That's not their fault. That's the that's the system. And it um, it's not good for football for, you know, it would actually be good for football for West Brom to survive a couple of seasons or Norwich to survive a couple of seasons, Fulham, et cetera, et cetera. And, so to, I think it was George, the commenter, I, don't, I know exactly, I know exactly what he's saying. And you would want, you'd want the dream to be, you go up with a good team and like you guys did in 92, 93, you <laughs> stick a sweeper in, you're ahead of the curb, you get Chris Sutton up front and you're challenging for the title or, you know, Ipswich nearly making the Champions League in 2000. It just, it, it does feel like that's off that limits that yeah, it doesn't it? And 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 it's sad, right? It's sad that football has become that because the English football pyramid. I've always said this. Now, never in my life that like you need to threaten me with pain of death most of the time to, <laughs> for, to admit that England are the best at anything, right? England, the English football pyramid is by far the best in the world. Me and you both have a, like, a fervent passion for the EFL. I would not rather be commenting any. I, I like the money would be better and it would be better from a scope. But like, if you ask me, generally speaking, would I rather commentate Burnley Crystal Palace in the Premier League or um, oh, come on, yeah, Stu? Look at that, look at that Brentford Bournemouth playoff semi final. Did you see it? I, I didn't actually see the game, utter, mate. But I've watched both of carnage. Utter carnage. I, I've just, watched both of those teams and they're brilliant this season. The like, I've best entertainment you get and just brilliant. this. Absolute. Um, I always, um, I always liken the, the Premier League is a bit like flat racing. If you like your horse racing, where invariably the best horse is hard to beat them. The Championship is the Grand National, but you've got to do four laps as well, and the the fences are like 
two and a half meters tall or whatever. And it's just complete carnage. And if you're not if you're not ready, and if you're you know if you're Stoke and you hire Gary Rowett, it will chew you up and spit you out and and what have you, won't it? So yeah, you got to love it. But yeah, um, I, I I agree, and and, it, and it's sad that I was talk, talking to some Leeds fans where you think. They've got this world-class manager. They've got this incredible support. And we're saying, oh, could they get from ninth up to mm-hmm. seventh? Wouldn't that be good? And you're like, it's Leeds. They've won the Aye, title in 1991. And that's that's where we are now, isn't it? Aye. And like you're talking about clubs like Fortunes crashing, going for the Champions League to like struggling in League One for a long, long time. And then, like, it took them a good number of knocks on the door to get out of the championship as well. Like, that leads at a case in point for just how quickly a club's fortunes can can totally turn around. And Go both ways, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, ab- absolutely that. So um, I'm going to get to some questions because we're approaching the home straight for this first pod now, which, by the way, I feel it's going quite well. Like, I feel we could do this for hours and hours and hours. And um, I, like... I think I, I think we'll keep the structure nice and loose because I like the fact we've gone on loads of tangents tonight and there's loads of rabbit holes we could have gone down, oh, but we've right. not we've not got two Alice in Wonderland. Dude, about you, it, which I think you, you you won't you won't mind me saying you and I chat you know just informally from time to time and it, it can it can you can look at your watch and it's forty five minutes later and we're we're talking about the use of sequences in modern gigs and. How that shouldn't be allowed. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's right. Right, 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 the question. And by the way, thank you everyone for, the, for who sent some questions in. If we don't get round to your one particularly, um, then please don't let that stop you from from doing it the next time. Because uh, I'm I'm surprised and really really delighted with the number of questions we've got in. Firstly, let's for a shout out to Robo's and he says loving the content, Hodge. Well done, Robo's as well, mate. Um, and we'll get you. We'll we'll, we'll maybe do something together soon. Um, Joe Keeler, who I'm guessing might be an Ipswich fan, either that or that. No, he's not. He comes on my channel. I think he's an Norwich fan. He's a Norwich fan, and he's seen Norwich. I I don't know. I might have just slandered him. He's not an Ipswich fan, for sure. Ooh, interesting. He says Norwich 20th next season. Um, No, no, Joe. So, aye, no. Well, thanks for getting in touch, Joe. I don't think we will be 20th next season. Do you think we'll be 20th next season? That's not actually a question, but... um... Um, It just depends um, so much on the loss of output if and when Buendia and or Aaron's go, doesn't it? And how, look, I understand you don't then play with 10 players. You can spend the 40 million quid that you get. But um, I, I think I've used the term carry two promotions on his back now. And I think that's probably fair, isn't it? Um, I've also used the term like an A-level kid playing against primary school children when he's in the when he's in the championship. So it, it just depends on the... Yeah, right. on, on that note, like you said, Aaron's, I've, I've actually oh, converted God. to the Aaron's um, because like, I have to as a commentator. Can I reveal something to you? Yes. I have a sheet of paper here, which is notes for me when people co- correct my pronunciation. And it says, um, don't use language variation as a reason to exclude people. Language variation represents a difference, not a deficit, and should be celebrated not subordinated. Come on, we're a diverse society coming together. I agree, Who but if someone, tells you, if someone tells you how to say their name, that's a totally different matter. You can't say a name incorrectly. Like, because if you're doing that, you're disrespecting the person. Only if you're speaking in your own mother tongue and they're also speaking. When, when I get criticised for Matthias Click or Klitsch or Robin Koch or Koch for Leeds, and I'm like, look, 
You're I'm talking English... to, but, but hold on, mate. You're talking to a football commentator. That is my job, right? But I'm I'm an English person talking uh, to an English perfect. audience. Uh, talking to an English audience, uh, these people don't speak German, and yet I'm being held to account for not using a, a German pronunciation to English-speaking people, and it just That's grinds funny. my gears, Stuart. I, uh, do you know what? I love it, Peter Griffin, and that, by the way, I'm I'm really really happy that you've um, that you, I, I agree totally with the ethos of your statement, but I think we names are the exception to that rule because if you go to Ireland, right, and you meet somebody called Roisin and you call her Roisin, right? Then, like you're you, by, like I would uh, always say, to someone, excuse me, how do you pronounce your name? I'm not sure how good, it's good faith and intent need to be, you know, if you're doing it in good faith with no ill intent and you haven't been, you haven't been warned, and 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 also you know as well as I do, Stu. Look, it's a bit different when you're getting paid by the EFL to do it, and I'm on my YouTube channel trying to do thirty teams uh, with. Five million different. And mate, you do you do a wonderful job. Listen, I'm cutting across you because I want to get more questions. Do in. it. Um, Rob Ozzini says for Mr. Benjamin Bloom, does he see Norwich City staying up next season with all the eyes on Wendy and Aarons from the many clubs? We may lose some key players. Can we survive? Depends who's signed to replace them, doesn't it? If um, yeah. and this is the one that we all we all agree that Stuart Webber's a fantastic sporting director. He's still. Let's be honest, the team that's just been promoted was built on Aaron's, Aaron's, uh, Pookie, Buendia, um, Krull, that mm -hmm. first load of players. And there still is a question, which may well be answered, is in if he's got 40, 50 million to spend, can he now? And let's be fair to our friends at Leeds, who with Rodrigo and Rafinha, just that extra edge up of you know, quality. And I think your manager deserves it, actually. I think he deserves some tip-top players because the football I've yeah. seen I've seen him produce has been really, really excellent. And you think, come on, he shouldn't have to be relying on Buendia and Buendia killing the championship of time and Aaron's as well, time after time. Anyway. Granted. Right. Does um, nobody wants to ask me in? Does Ben think the new Ipswich owners will try to put in place the type of structure and approach that Weber's succeeded with at Norwich, or will it be more of a splash the cash type of approach? That's a really good question. Thank you, Luke Travis. Um, look, Ipswich have got muscle in League One. Let's be fair. Um, in the Championship, the splash the cash thing doesn't work. It just it just does not does not work. And we've seen look unless you're Wolves and Fosun and you lose uh -huh. £52 million in a season to get promoted, and you basically buy Champions League players and score 99 Ruben points. Ruben Neves. You 16 million euros, right? You and, you're telling, and by the way, Stuart, I thought the loss maximum losses were 13 million, 13 million quid, but... Um, there, there we go. Let me not. Let's not get into FFP. Let's not get any financial fair play or the Georgie Mendes agent tie-in. Oh, stop a few it. things there. Right. I mean, anyway. don't get me wrong. One thing Wolves did very cleverly. They were the first team to do the loan to buy, um, which then we've seen Leeds do with Harrison and uh, Costa. We've seen okay. Fulham do Knockout Cavaliero, and now we've seen Norwich do with uh, Gibson um, and Janoulis as well. So that was clever, and that's a clever way around it and a perfectly legal way around it, which I actually endorse. I think I think it's good. Go ahead. I, I think what Luke's getting at is, will Ipswich splash a bit of cash to get out of League One? I think they will. Yes. And um, it always makes me laugh when 
people say, I, I, I often end up saying, Stu, easier said than done. Um, people say, oh, my team should just adopt the Brentford model. And I'm like, okay. So you're suggesting that you sign and all the best a players. team as well, also. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, let's think that the, the way that they are structured as a club watch is totally different. They've got a B team rather than an under-23s team that plays friendlies against like, teams around Europe and stuff like that. The way that they do it is totally different. But, but sorry, reg- carry on. Regardless of the minutiae, Stu, um, the, the easier said than done thing is, you know, yeah, of course, everybody would like... To because essentially what Norwich have done is put a sporting director in, signed a load of good players for very little money, um, had a load of good youngsters come through, played really good football and um, got loads of points and scored loads of goals. And so that, I say, easier said than done, isn't it? So, yep. No, everyone, no, no. Everyone would want to do that, wouldn't they? Yes. No, no, no. Granted, granted. Right. Um, Nathan Hill, love this question. Um, and it came up when we were having the discussion about sort of identities and and, and club stuff. Um, and I think that'll you, probably. I'm guessing this is a theme that's going to be coming up. You take you take bit. this one, Stu, because you know about um, Celtic and Rangers. What as well. you 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 ask it then? Um, hi, chaps. Do you think the rivalry is stronger, fiercer, as we're both one club counties? A good question. Uh, therefore, families and workplaces aren't split like bigger cities like London, Manchester, Liverpool. Well, I'll add Glasgow in there because I know you know about it. Yeah, uh, do you know what? I'm going to take Glasgow out of that. In fact, actually, you, you need to look at each one of these places in isolation, to be honest, um, because Glasgow, there's the whole sectarian bit of the divide. Um, Liverpool is a strange one because of the whole Hillsborough thing and everything around that. There's a real unity between Everton and Liverpool, despite there being a rivalry as well. Yeah, um, the hatred's Liverpool-Manchester United, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit it's a more weighted that way. Um, Manchester, London's got so many clubs. Um, that's obviously intra-city rivalries. So if you take like, Millwall, uh, Charlton's fun. <laughs> yeah, or like I mean, and then West Ham at, as well. You look at the Space Age when you've got Arsenal and Spurs. You know, um, which best stadium I've ever been at? By the way, that mm. Spurs ground. That what a night that was, man! Like last last real football game I was at actually, like as a fan. Like. Uh, Ah, absolutely amazing. But um, do I think the rivalry is stronger or fiercer? No, I'll be honest, Nathan, I don't. Um, and especially having grown up in the old firm goldfish bowl up here. I don't think I don't think it's the strength of the rivalry, but I think it's a unique rivalry. And I think it's a unique rivalry because it's a unique part of the country. And I think the historical trajectories of the teams... Uh, and sorry, the clubs respectively have made it that way. And both clubs have, in their history, a very, very storied past. I would argue that Ipswich probably have a more storied history than Norwich, um, just in terms of the number of characters and the fact there's there's obviously a bit more European success in there, stuff like that uh, in some ways. But then obviously Zipswich sort of fell away. Norwich really came to the fore in that sort of early 1990s surge um, with Jeremy Goss here in episode two of this podcast um, for, for, for the What's the Goss. Obviously, that was a wee bit of an honour for me to, to have him on my pod. Um, and hopefully, we'll be on again. Uh, that Norwich City team was great. I obviously only remember it quite peripherally because I was a wee wee boy, but I do I, remember, I remember it. I remember it quite distinctly, actually. Yeah. So was... tell, tell, tell us a bit about that. I don't mind if we run a wee bit over there. No, 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 no. Go, go for it. Um, 
So it was the first year of the Premier League, wasn't it? And Ipswich had been, at one time, Ipswich were in the right place, right time. Ipswich had been promoted from Division 2 the season before. They were champions, actually. Um, and the Norwich thing just came from, it came from nowhere. Um, the, you know, the sweeper. And I think the thing was that there were, you know, if you saw Ian Crook play, just a class um class player and Chris Sutton obviously turned out to be Britain's top striker at at one point. Rule Fox, who's a Witten boy from Ipswich as well, was a was a great player. And he had people like Mark Mark Bowen and I'm just gonna say though Butterworth. you can't you can't, you can't leave claim to him despite him being from Witten. I'm not like <laughs> he's definitely an Ipswich boy. Yeah, he yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely ours. Like, he went to he went to went to my school actually. No, he didn't go to my school. He, my English teacher taught him um and then moved across from the I think it's Thurlston he went to, but this is very, we're very into the weeds. Oh, and, oh, oh I love it, man. Like, I like um, a bit of that. So, it, and it was very much, it, you'd be amazed how much longer a 42-game season feels than a 38-game season as it was as it was then. And Manchester United with a big Bayamoff still, and mm-hmm. it, it felt, and I remember distinctly, it was Norwich, Villa and Man United. And there was a point, Norwich fans will correct me on this, Norwich won at Villa. And mm-hmm. you genuinely thought they could win the they could win the title. As it turned out, Manchester United had Cantona and Giggs and Ince and I don't think they had Keane yet at that point. But mm-hmm. then they just zoomed on into the distance. But, I mean, other than the... I mean, who's come close? I mean, Leicester obviously won it. But have yeah. we had anyone that quote small get that close because I remember Forrest a few years later he came up and finished third with Frank Clark and Stan Collymore Newcastle they're, they're, they're up, like I'm sorry I'm like the, the thing is yeah, I, I think we both yeah. need to go over like worrying about offending fans because like we're both gonna I'm gonna offend Ipswich and probably Norwich fans with Makanda and likewise maybe you as well so we'll go over that no, Nottingham Forest, given their history in Europe, are a bigger club than... No, no, understood, yeah. Understood, understood. And Newcastle with Keegan felt... That felt big just because of Keegan's personality, I think. I think but, that was partly a time and place thing, you know. Because, yeah, like, the yeah. mid-1990s was, oh, like, it, it, an it, amazing time culturally in the United States. Perfectly, County. didn't it? Yeah, Keegan, yeah. And, Keegan and Andy Cole and uh, Ferdinand and, yeah, Ginola just fit perfectly but no there was there was an there was an incredible team and they did it by tactical innovation as well with the with the sweeper and the extra man at the back and again to to the comment um yeah blackburn's yeah that's the one but then they were dosed up you know they're more money than god at that point that was that blackburn were the forerunner to abramovich's chelsea where they took sutton and they took shearer and they mm-hmm. took batty and they you know, Sherwood, and they just signed everybody, didn't they? Lasso, Flowers. They, they threw everything at it, and it worked. Um, and fair, fair play to them for that. Uh, it did uh, work. Nor- Norwich nearly did it through um, through tactical innovation, and Leicester with the counter-attack yeah. and Vardy and Mahrez were, the, you know, the only other people to, to win it the in that way, weren't they? The difference, I would say, is, um, yeah, the, I mean, the counter-attack element, yeah, but I don't think that was as tactically innovative. I think Leicester were the beneficiaries of a season where everyone who should be a title contender was abjectly off. Lightning in a bottle, yeah? 
I, I think I think there was an element of that. To be I honest, I think one and, thing. One thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry to interrupt you. One thing Norwich fans forget as well. I think they finished fifth, eighty-eighty-nine. So they, they didn't exactly come from nowhere. They'd been a top six team with um, Townsend and Dale Gordon and um, who would the manager bring? Dave Stringer, right? I think mm-hmm. they'd been a top five, top six team shortly before, and then of course. Um, English football just just changed over the next decade, you know. Yeah, no, no, so. I, I think um, really interesting that you reference these things, which gives me a chance to plug one of the features that's going to be coming. So um, I've said in this podcast before that this is going to be an Orange City podcast, which is doing stuff that's a wee bit different. And one of those things is going to be, um, and I'll announce this now, we're going to be doing a feature called Back in the Day. And we're going to be doing that with Ed Cousins Lake, who's written various Norwich City anthologies. He'll be helping me because he's got the historical knowledge that I do not, because obviously I've become a Norwich City fan um, since I was the commentator in the 2016-17 season. So my historical knowledge, as you're hitting me with all that great stuff there, <laughs> is, is not as good. But my plan is, over the course of this podcast, to learn a bit more about that side of it. Well, can uh, I can I very transparently tell you that my father grew up in Dis and my sister lives in Norwich, so I do have a bit of an advantage. Um, but despite I, being an Ipswich fan, I do have a bit of an advantage here. I'm, I, I'm also a lot live a lot further away from Carroll Road than you. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in Bedfordshire now, aren't I? So I, I'm going to ask. Oh, is that right? Another new. Yeah. Anyway, one last question, and it's one that's just just to make me feel good. Sophie, just as a comment, and see. <laughs> oh. Awesome. Lo- Love Sophie. She's um, she's often on my channel. Yeah, thank. Hi, Sophie. Hi. I, for, by the way, for everyone that is um, like sort of watches Ben's channel and content, good on you. His stuff is amazing. I'm a fan myself. Um, and hopefully through doing this podcast, then we can maybe get you sort of dipping into some of my stuff. If you like EFL stuff, another thing that I did, so I did a really sort of revealing interview with Alex Neal in the very first episode of Hot John Nudge. So um, you can go check that out. You, you can you can tell me off air who he's going to be managing next season, yeah? <laughs> uh, maybe. I've got, I've, got, I've, got, I've got an inkling. Right, one last question, and it's to make me feel good, or maybe not. Norwich Talk asks, Oh yes, Ipswich had their version of a 7-1 Colchester battering? Um, not in terms of it being such a turning point, but in terms... Because right. obviously... Like, it was more, the, more, I think more in terms the of humiliation. Like an absolute nadir, an absolute oh, low point. We lost 7-1 to Peterborough on Sky TV as well. And, um, that Is would've... that as bad? Peterborough are a better team than Colchester. I mean, look, let's let's raise the elephant in the room. Five one at home to Norwich ooh, was was painful. Uh there's been a few, um God, even recent ones. I mean, even at the end of this season, you think how low can you fall? Where the players checked out and it was three nil at AFC Wimbledon and that uh, that, that was I, I did a couple of games towards the end of the season. Paul Cook was hilarious as well. Like just he was, like, he was brutal, ha- wasn't he? Oh <laughs> man, the like see how candidly he spoke about it. Like basically just well, saying that nobody was trying. And was then one- obviously the key change in his voice. Everybody loved <laughs> that as well. There was one Stu, which look, obviously it's a massive club, but it almost set the descent up for the years to come. It was lost six nil at home to Liverpool when they were in the Premier League. And I think Michael Owen scored four, and that just that was just like the knockout blow, and then 
obviously um, Norwich fans may not know, but the um, ITV de- deal went bust. So if you ITV really want to, yes, if you I really want to see what happens to a team when they have no broadcast money and have just been relegated from the Premier League, look at Ipswich, Derby, and Leicester in 2001, who all went into administration. So wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> yeah, and talking of that, Paul Kuski experienced that, obviously, with what oh, happened at Wigan, awful. which was um, absolutely awful. awful. And I've, I think we've both got similar thoughts and feelings on that. Um, great question from Canary Girl 73 who asks, will you guys be doing a follow-up pod? Um, which gives us the chance to explain how this is going to, kind of going to work moving forward. So, I think we're going to aim to do these. I mean, like, the Euros will get in the way, right? Yes. So we should say that as my turn to say the word, caveat. Um, <laughs> the Euros will get in the way this summer. So, like, with that being a, sort of playing as an exception to the rule, I think the plan is we're going to do these fortnightly. So it will be once a month on your channel and once a month on my channel. Um, I'll probably use the one from your channel and put it down the podcast tubes please, for all my listeners do, yeah. on podcast. Do, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, th- I think that's the way that we're going to do it moving forward. And I'm, I must admit, I'm quite excited about it. I hope all of you guys that have watched this tonight, um, guys and girls, um, I used guys in that sense that Lemmy hates there, where you just see guys when you actually mean guys, <laughs> no, girls, boys, girls, and, and anything. Shoot, in can I just? Can I just mm-hmm. say, not to be preachy and not to tell people how to think or, you know, anything like that. What we're trying to do is, look, in the stadium, we love we love the, the back and forth and, you know, all of this business. But some of the interaction you see um, is not great, is it? It's really, no, you know, doesn't, doesn't cover either side. And, and we get it, you know, sometimes it goes a bit too far. Um, we're not after anyone kissing anybody else's backside, but just coming from a position of basic respect as the um, you know as the basis for is what we're trying to do. And perhaps um, if we can um, help one person to not send that ridiculous vitriolic comment on Twitter because they understand that clubs from rival fans can. I mean, look. Let's be honest, that there'll be some people who won't be interested in this type of thing. Um, they'll not interested in hearing what you've got to say, not interested in hearing what I've got to say, depending on which fine, well, you know, whatever. But we're trying to just come from a position of position of respect, if you know what I mean, without sounding too no, preachy. No, yeah, and yeah, anyone can do or think what they what what they like, that's up to them. But this is just where I'm coming from. We we still have freedom of thought, um, even though cancel culture's a thing. Uh, oh, stop what, it, what, don't. What, I, I just like teasing you, mate. Um, <laughs> I think the I think the thing I would say is I totally agree with that. But like, what we can do here is we can we can tr- cross that line between like we've, I think we've done it a bit tonight where it's that line between banter and a bit of ribbon and poking and disagreement and agreeing and like just basically having debate. But I think the good thing is because we're talking about both clubs, and I'm not surprised this has happened tonight. We've seen like loads of other clubs come up through the discussions that we're having. And I think having a space where both fans can come in and respectfully engage and ask questions, and we've seen that tonight with Norwich fans asking questions about Ipswich and vice versa, um, I think that's the aim, isn't it? It's to, to create a, a space and a platform where people can come in and we can have a respectful and honest debate about it in a way where the fun is still there, the rivalry is still there, 
but none of the vitriolic, nasty, yeah. nonsense element is there. That's what we're doing with this pod. And for a sort of first go where <laughs> uh, my internet connection was dodgy, I forgot to plug my charger in. I think we've done no too badly. You've I think you did. I think you did really well, Stu. Oh, thank you, Ben. That's really <laughs> nice of you. Excellent. So you you, that... you, part, you participated beautifully. Oh, I took part in my own podcast, mate. That's <laughs> that's the name of the game. So that's all for anyone who's listening to this on the the kind of podcast channels because this is all you can consume this content many many ways. Um, so for me, that's all for this week's Hodge on Nodge. You can find me as Hodge the Hack across all social media, and Hodge on Nodge is downloadable and subscribable on all of the favourite podcast platforms, as well as on YouTube, of course, where you can find me. Anyone who has liked this tonight, I would appreciate if you gave me a wee follow and a wee like on any or all of those social media channels. And obviously, Ben, it makes sense for me at this point to throw over to yourself and say where can people find you if they are fans of mine watching you. Although, to be honest, thanks all your fans who have migrated here. But <laughs> um, where can people find you, man? Yeah, so at Benjamin Bloom on Twitter, Benjamin Bloom Football Channel on YouTube. We're trying to, you know, trying to raise the tone um, a little bit and yeah, have a good have a good discussion and a good group of um good group of fans, you know, engaging in in football over there. So um lots of stuff. We end of season reviews we're still doing. There is a Norwich City one um up there, Norwich, the story of their promote's been up obviously about six weeks given how early <laughs> how early they got promoted. But um we're gonna have lots of fun over the weekend. Playoff finals will be covering uh championship uh league one as well. And um, my dearly departed show is the big thing if you're a Norwich fan. So it's the teams that get promoted out of the championship. So there's a specific show for it's going to be next season. It's going to be great because listen to this lot going to be arguing. Leeds, Villa, Norwich, Watford and one of Swansea and Brentford. And let's be honest, if, if it was Brentford in the mix with Villa and Dean Smith and Leeds and Pontus Janssen, that that would be a lot of fun for me, let's just say. But good luck to Swansea, of course. And May the, may the best team win, Stu. But, yeah, um, head over there. Loads of coverage. Yep. Um, I can tell you that, uh, that I think this year's playoffs, honestly, I'm so glad Norwich weren't part of it because <laughs> I would not have fancied our chances to go against any of those four. They're all so different, so contrasting. And um, the championship is going to be a brilliant league again next season. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss it badly. Um, but that's all for tonight. Um, thank you very much for joining us, Ben. Um, we're going to gather again to do one of these in a fortnight's time in your channel, right? I think yes. Any... Uh, yeah. So, and we'll try and um, we'll try and get people to subscribe across to your channel and get a bit of back and forth. Like oh no, said. no, back and forth, and then eventually, like the some of mine will hopefully hopefully do the same. Especially some of the, the I've had loads of Scottish people follow me recently. So if any of those people are watching, tremendous, absolutely brilliant. Um, thank you for doing that, and uh, there will be more content, more geared to a Scottish football audience coming soon on the Hodgey the Hack channel. But that's it for tonight. So all that remains is for me to thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening. Good night, and we're at home. Come on, you yellows. <laughs>